0: menu stories where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. I'm your host Rebecca Goberstein and today episode 11 we meet Sarah Howman a young chef already making waves in San Francisco at Huxley restaurant in the Tenderloin. Huxley opened less than a year ago but chef Sarah who most recently came from Bar Agricole, has already been recognized by Eater and the San Francisco Chronicle as a standout. Huxley serves what's called New American Casual Cuisine, and that's not so different from how one might describe Chef Sarah. She doesn't like much attention or pretension, and it's easy to see she's comfortable in her element, at the helm of Huxley's kitchen, where she gets so focused on preparing the food that she quickly forgets the camera is there. Which is great, because she hates getting her picture taken. Huxley was opened by Christopher Escada, who was also behind Saison and Sons and Daughters, both of which have earned Michelin stars. Chef Sarah very well could be taking Huxley along a similar path, but as you'll find out, she mostly just cares about cooking great, simple food. Let's have a listen.
1: neighborhood restaurant we really wanted to make it neighborhoody and casual which is I think why I was brought on for this project so I kind of lean towards not doing anything really fancy or anything like that I want people to be able to get food and look at the plate and know that it's a piece of broccoli and not wonder what that green sauce is um yeah that's it I just I think that The owners really wanted to make it an approachable place for normal people to come and understand what the food is and not i don't know i like the fact that even chefs can come here and it's comfortable food to eat Mm -hmm. that's what i kind of like about it
0: and how long has it been open now
1: eight months we opened the week of the world series so i think that was like october the first week of October. Right, in yeah. 2014. Yeah. Well,
0: so your one year anniversary is coming up soon?
1: Yes, one year. Congratulations. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you know what? Fast, but slow. I don't know. <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, are you guys doing anything exciting to celebrate? Uh, not that I know of. Honestly, we just kind of take every month. We were counting the months, like, oh, it's our first month, it's our second month, and then we kind of stopped after six.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask you a few questions about where you were before you got to Huxley. So where are you from and where did you grow up? Uh,
1: So I grew up in North San Diego in a small city called Vista. It's um, inland from like Carlsbad and Del Mar and stuff like that, you know, the more popular touristy cities. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty small city. I mean, not everyone knows each other, but you definitely bump in at people at the supermarket every time you go. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up there and that was pretty much it. I mean, I went to Catholic school for a while and then I went to a charter school. So I was, I never really had like a standard high school experience, so to speak, or even, you know, elementary school or whatever. But, uh, that's probably why I didn't really care about having an awesome college experience, because I was like, I don't even know what a ha- like a homecoming game is, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. it just didn't really matter to me. Um, yeah, I just grew my, honestly, my childhood was pretty, like, normal, standard, whatever that means to people. <laughs> Nothing cool. really crazy happened. Um, my parents split up when I got into high school, so that was, I guess, a little bit awkward and strange. But other than that, everything else, I mean, divorce is pretty normal anyways these days. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And then uh, my dad uh, started online dating when I was in high school and met a lady from England who lived in Spain. So I was lucky enough. We didn't really do much. Like we never went out to dinner and stuff like that. But we saved all the money. And every time, you know, I had summer break or whatever, we would go to Spain for a couple weeks which was awesome which is you know when I first kind of like fell in love with the Spanish culture and Spanish food and all that Um, and then he decided that after I graduated he was gonna move there um, you know to be with her so I was like okay that sounds like a better idea than going to college (laughs) 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 I decided that I wanted to do that instead uh, which People were bummed out about, but I was always in my head thought, well, I'm going to go back to school anyways. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Who was bummed out about it? Uh, You know, my mom was. And honestly, so I graduated valedictorian and everyone was like tripping that I didn't (laughs) apply to any colleges when I was a senior. It was pretty hilarious, but that's not something I wanted to do. I don't know. I was, I'm. Why not? Uh. I just, I was done with high school. I did a really intense program. I did, um, it's called International Baccalaureate. And I did that too.
0: It's so yeah. I <laughs> um, mean. So
1: I did that and it wasn't just, you know, certificates. It was the full diploma and um, the charter school that I went to also offered it for middle school too. So I had been doing, you know, everything since sixth grade. I actually skipped seventh grade randomly. So I didn't even have to like, go to seventh grade that was pretty awesome too um <laughs> so I graduated a little bit younger anyways I was only 17 um I, I was just tired I did sports too and then um I hurt my knee and then when I did you know didn't have sport doing soccer and running and stuff I did uh, you know I got a job and was working like 30 hours a week while I was going to high school I, I was just I don't know I've always really liked working <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. so I stayed really busy and then I was just kind of like and I'm done now, so that was my decision. Well, burnout doesn't always end up in a year in Spain, yes. so I think, <laughs> I think
0: that actually worked out yes. pretty well for you. So that's good. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so I went there, and then of course, as much as I loved it, I was like, I'm doing nothing and going crazy, but I'm in Spain, but I'm doing nothing. Um, so it was really fun for about a year, and then I was kind of uh, wanted to come back and, uh, I decided culinary school would be the best option because that would make my mother happy because I'm going to school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm doing something that's cool to me and challenging for me because school is always easy for me. I can like read a book and write an essay and whatever. It's just easy. Um, But being easy, it's also boring to me. So I figured Mm -hmm. I would want to do something a little bit more interesting. So I did that. White culinary school i mean there's a lot of different kinds of there's of a lot of different tra- i was honestly i always loved cooking um and i know i don't i don't know i just really liked it as a kid during summer i would always you know make cookies during the day and watch tv and i thought being a housewife would be like the best job ever <laughs> because i could just make cookies <laughs> all day long um so <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Just looking at you here and, like, your, your hair is pulled back and you've got tattoos yeah. all over your arms. It's awesome to hear you say that. It's
1: super yeah. funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I don't Not know. Not that housewives can't yeah, tattoos was, all over <laughs> their arms, but still. Yeah, I don't know. I just always really liked it and I thought it was cool. And, you know, unfortunately, it was, like, right when that celebrity chef boom was happening. So, I've you know, going to school, you're stuck with these people who – you know, these young kids who think they're going to be celebrities. And lucky for me, I never got that bug in my head. I was always kind of like, I don't e- want to take a picture. Please don't make me take pictures. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm going to sit in the corner of the class not say anything. This is <laughs> great.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for making an exception. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <too>.
0: <laughs> where did where was the culinary school? Is this in Spain, too? Or? No, no,
1: no, no. I went to the Art Institute in San Diego. Oh, nice. But again, it's, I mean, I, I worked full time and I went to school full-time. Well, I went to as many classes as I had to on campus, and then they have an online program, so I took all of my other classes that I could online. Mm-hmm. So I was doing, you know, full-time school, full-time 40 hours working, and, you know, basically I just burned myself out, Again. <laughs> like usual. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what were you doing when you were working?
1: I originally was working in retail, because when I was in high school I got a job in, you know, in a closed store. Mm-hmm. like any girl does. And then um, <laughs> when I came back from Spain, that was like, I literally the next day went around looking for a job and I got a job with another lady I used to work with at Tommy Hilfiger, if you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, honestly, I was just working in retail and I, I mean, I was getting paid pretty good. I was like a floor manager mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, a guy w- I was uh, at school with said there was an opening at a restaurant And I thought, okay, I'm gonna go try and do it. And they offered me the job and it was, you know, a stupid job now looking back on it, you know, where I like microwave little cakes in the oven and put my like raspberry sauce I made from frozen raspberries, (laughs) you know, on the plate. But uh, I mean, it was just your run of the mill. Like, you know, we do 300 covers a night we have kind like family yeah restaurant. you know we have flatbread and fried calamari right and tuna tartar, like <laughs> a
0: typical san diego kind yeah of
1: pork chop right
0: <laughs> makes sense yeah yeah well first of all I'm, i i want to know more about your year in spain so where where was where was this um spain?
1: so i we were living in a little town called Coín, which is about 45 minutes from malaga mm-hmm. um and same, about 45 minutes from Marbella as well, which is also a better known city. It was great. I honestly, I sat by the pool. I, I would wake up at like 11 and then I would go outside and I would sit by the pool and I would eat melon during the summer. <laughs> and I got really, really tan. I think <laughs> that I, everyone kept saying that I looked Mexican because I was so tan, but which is crazy because now you look at me and I'm super white. Um. <laughs> I was just hang out with my dad, which was awesome, mm-hmm. um, honestly. That's like, for me, the best part about that year was just hanging out with my dad. We would hang out, we would make, you know, we would drink a bottle of wine every day, make dinner together, you know. The usual <laughs>
0: <laughs> that does sound really nice. What kind of food
1: would you guys make? We, whatever we had, we, w- we would just make American food. <laughs> we honestly, me and my dad always made dinner in high school too. So I lived with him for a week and I lived with my mom for a week. And like, I don't know, that was just our thing. We always like cook together. So, mm-hmm.
0: so he must be really excited about what you're doing now.
1: Um, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, so, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. He came back, him and his uh, girlfriend broke up, and he came back, I forget how long ago. uh, Maybe, I was probably like 22, Mm -hmm. so a while ago, six years, seven years ago. Where's the rest of your family? Uh, My mom lives in New Mexico with her husband. I have an older brother. He moved to New Mexico as well. So
0: what does the rest of your family think about what you're doing?
1: It's hard because I don't think like, my mom doesn't really quite get it. Like she knows that I cook food and she's coming to the restaurant. She came in a couple months ago and it's like, she gets it like, oh, that's really cool. But you know, she just doesn't understand. And I don't think anyone does until you get in the industry. Like, hey, I work 16 hours a day, you know, and to her, she's like, are you getting paid enough? Are they paying (laughs) you for that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you taking a break? And it's like, you don't understand mom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah, she loves it. I mean, I always call her and she just, she's a, an assistant principal and she's always just like, Oh, so-and-so wants you to come out to the Santa Fe high school and talk to the kids about cooking. And I'm just (laughs) like, mom, I don't have time for this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they think it's cool, I guess. I don't know they they're it's just hard the san francisco food scene especially is very like it's big and it's tight-knit all at the same time and i don't know if you're like a normal person in the food industry like being really into the food industry it's just a whole another world it's really hard to relate to i think yeah I i mean they get it like oh celebrity chefs you know top chef like that sort of stuff but uh i think they definitely think it's cool it's just Different for them. Yeah.
0: Especially when they think about their little girl who is valedictorian. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's probably a little different. Yeah. It's definitely a tight knit community too it's just getting I mean I'm obviously not inside of it but just observing it and talking to more people and it, it really is interesting how many people are connected and how many people have worked together in the past different projects and
1: oh yeah I think it's really it's definitely rare that I go someplace like a new newer restaurant in if it's an open kitchen, I'm, I at least see someone that I recognize or I'm like, oh, that person used to date this person or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's just like I, you definitely, you see the same faces yeah. over and over at different restaurants.
0: So how did you end up in San Francisco?
1: Um, Honestly, I started dating a guy that lived up here. So I decided I was also at the time like itching to get out of San Diego. So I just had been there for so long and I thought that's a great opportunity I'm just gonna go up there so I just kind of on a whim just did it mm-hmm. and it worked out pretty good honestly um so I had a connection from San Diego to uh one of the sous chefs at the French Laundry mm-hmm. who hooked me up with a stage because I was really into doing pastries at that point I really liked pastry stuff and I thought it was really interesting so they hooked me up with a stage at the French Laundry because they were looking for a pastry person wow yeah so that's
0: that's like you know just this going yeah the i know i
1: always that's everyone's <laughs> always like you just talk about it like it's oh just the french laundry but you know when i got there and when it was my first day i just remember at the end of it going oh god i really don't want to come back here tomorrow why just it was just like it just wasn't my style And it wasn't something that I was used to and it wasn't, you know, a lot of times people are intrigued by it and are like really like the regime and really like routine and everything is very militaristic and ooh, it's so fancy and... I was just kind of like, it's not my style. I like cracking jokes in the kitchen. (laughs) If I spill something, it's not like the end of the world. I'll clean it up, you know, that sort of thing. So I did that. And then I had to like, come back and do a tasting. So I did that, which was so nerve wracking. I thought after that, nothing else would be as nerve wracking as that is. So I was kind of like, I can do anything now. I just did a tasting thing at the French Laundry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what is that? What's um,
1: t- so pretty much like to get hired there, you have to make food. So I had to make like sorbet course and a dessert mm-hmm. and. Something else, I forget.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Top Chef, but at the French Laundry.
1: Yeah, I mean (laughs) you have a chance to like prepare and and whatnot. So I did that, and then I was waiting, waiting, and I hadn't had a job for like I was up here at that point. I hadn't had a job for over a couple months, so I was getting antsy, of course, like I always do. And I had already talked to Brandon, who was going to be the opening chef of Bar Agricole, and he was like. I want you to work for me, but if you're waiting on this thing for the French Laundry, I mean, hello, that's a really good idea and a good opportunity. And then literally that same day that Brandon hired me, I got a call from the pastry chef there and I was really excited. And then she goes, so they really want you to work on the savory side. Would you be willing to come back up and do a savory tasting? And I was just like, nah I don't want that you know <laughs> it was just too much like jumping through all these hoops and I just I didn't want to do it so decided to go with my
0: this is Rebecca Goberstein and you're listening to the 11th episode of menu stories with chef Sarah Hellman of Huxley restaurant in San Francisco we'll be right back Well, and that ended up working out for you, right? Because it's not. Yes. Kind of
1: yeah. I was actually, I was so surprised. It was my first job where I didn't have to start off at like salad station. Mm-hmm. But I, Brandon like showed me the opening work schedule and it, I was on saute and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> he thinks I can really cook. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so strange. <laughs> Had he
0: tasted any of r- your food before? Or? No, we
1: just honestly, we met at four barrel and then we talked and then, then he was like, yeah, sure. Come work with me, you know.
0: That's is, is, that, is that pretty rare or does that um, the kind of happen? I think it kind of
1: happens. I think it happens when you have a certain amount of experience. And I think it happens when you're opening a restaurant because I know ev- even opening here, like, I had so many people bail out on me. Yeah. So I think at a certain point you're just like... Any sure, you're hired, you're hired, you're hired, you're hired, <laughs> hired knowing that half the people are going to bail out or they're going to work for, like, a couple of weeks and then go somewhere else or yeah. whatever.
0: So so what was that like, getting started at Bar Agricole?
1: Um, It was really cool. I was I, – it was my first job in San Francisco, so I thought I was, like – really cool in a big city <laughs> and um i thought it was awesome because i had never worked in a restaurant where they brought in whole animals before so that was really cool to me i like really really loved my job for a year i would just every week i would call my dad and be like it's so cool you know <laughs> i get to like mess around with big pigs and stuff it's so cool um they would butcher them in the yeah shop and- yeah so uh that was really fun Um, What did you like about that? It gave me a better sense of connection to the food. Because before, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I had only, like received meat in restaurants that was in a cryovac bag bag, you know and maybe it was a whole lamb saddle with the bone in but it was still came in a cryovac bag bag, Mm -hmm. you know and I didn't get to see like oh that's where it is on the lamb Mm -hmm. you know
0: how did it make you look
1: at food differently you know honestly now I can't even like think about getting meat in a cryovac bag to the extent of like I won't even Like, I don't even want to serve beef tartare if I can't get in, like, a big chunk of beef. Mm -hmm. Because it just doesn't... I just don't want to eat it. It just seems gross to me. I can't even shop at Safeway anymore. I've become such a crazy snob because it just, like, doesn't seem like... If I can't see the whole animal in my head and, like, see where it's been broken down, I won't put it in my body, so I won't serve it to anyone else, you know? Why do you think that is? I have no idea. (laughs) I... I just think that maybe I'm a really big food snob. I have no (laughs) idea. Um, I don't know. It just seems fresher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I I tasted the difference of what that is compared to what uh, the crap I've been eating before. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that is really crap that I've been eating before, you know. Mm -hmm. And that it honestly makes a difference. If you have something that's really good, you can put salt and pepper on it. And if you have something that's really shitty, you can put like whatever you want on it you can saute it in foie gras butter but the still the fresh purely salt and pepper is always going to taste better in my opinion Mm
0: -hmm. do you guys do that here now at huxley yeah
1: i i get all my animals in whole there is a couple things that i do still order that are broken down when they come in but uh, for the most part i get whole stuff try to get a lamb every couple weeks i do charcuterie stuff so i get a half of a, a pig in and do all that myself
0: the salting and the curing yeah
1: that's pretty cool yeah I I mean I'm not as good as like you know a lot of people but I just do some simple stuff and yeah it's great people love it
0: (laughs) so how did you get from Bar Agricole to Huxley what was what was that transition like how'd that happen
1: so I was at Bar Agricole for two and a half years and then I just honestly I was getting antsy again and I really wanted to do something and get out of San Francisco so I decided that I wanted to go stash somewhere. So I went, I thought I could just go for three months somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, for those who don't know, what is what is going to go stash? Oh, just go like work for free, mm-hmm. basically, um, at a restaurant. Kind of like shadowing a chef. Yeah. So I went through, I was like, what's the best way to do this? So I went through the San Pellegrino list and then I'm um, still holding with my like love for Spain. Um, Echbari is like my absolute favorite restaurant that I'd ever want to go to. Just decided that I was gonna email all the people that I thought were really cool and that would where I would want to work. So I did my emailing and of course I emailed Echbari because I was like, that would be so awesome. And uh, (laughs) you know, a lot of people got back to me and it was kind of like, sure you can come work for us but lodging's not included. Mm, and yeah. that's kind of a I was that was a big deal breaker for me because I didn't you have a lot of money saved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um it's hard to pay with nothing. Luckily, I already emailed me back and they were like, Yeah, sure, we have an apartment you can stay in and I thought that's awesome. The only <laughs> catch was that he wanted me to stay for six months, not three months. And um, I was like, Six months is a long time. I think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so <laughs> It, I don't know, it was really funny and, like, weird. I, Our email train was, like, me being like, so when do you want me to come? He goes, February. February what? Just, I don't know, February, the middle of February. Okay. Okay, I'm going to buy my plane ticket. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> it's <was laughs> just like, and then once you meet Victor, you you understand that he operates like that. He's <laughs> kind of like... If you wanna come, yeah, just come. You could come in January, February, March, whenever it's fine. Just come. <laughs> stay. Work work. I don't know. Is he from Spain? Uh yeah, he's actually from the little town that Achibari's in, born and raised there in that little village of like, I don't know, fifty people. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so I went there for six months and that was awesome.
0: So where is this?
1: Um, it's in the Basque region. It's uh, about an hour-ish from Bilbao, about an hour-ish from uh, San Sebastian.
0: So you got to spend almost a year and a half, pretty much, a year and a half in Spain altogether in yeah. the span of like 10 years. Yeah, it was
1: re- really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs>
0: so what was, what was it like being there for six months?
1: Um, that was really awesome. It was, I really, I mean, it was the first time I actually like, did something like I'm doing this on my own I don't have anyone else I don't know anyone else so I'm doing it with my mo- own money like it was all me so for the first <laughs> like month and a half every day the buses like have the flashing date <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would just look at it and be like four more months five more months you know mm-hmm. um, but then I got to making friends and I really really loved it and it was the best uh, it was the best ever then I it, it was the opposite I was like Oh, two more months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What would it be like? What was a day like there? What would you do?
1: So they were only open for lunch. um, And then they were open for lunch and dinner on Saturday. And then Sunday was a little crazy because they did pinchos at the bar downstairs. And then they did um, lunch service upstairs in the dining room. Typically, I would... You know, wake up at, like, 7.20, go brush my teeth, get back in my room, because I had other roommates, and I, even though I was the only girl, I was like, you guys take your showers in the morning, I'll shower at night. I don't, (laughs) you know, I'm just going to get up, get everything done, boom, be ready, because I don't like being late. Uh, And then I would get on the bus, go get there at, like, 8.30. actually was lucky enough, I got an argument with the guy working Garmoche because he was just being silly and I thought that I could do his job way better than he was doing it. So <laughs> the pastry chef was like, "Hey, you're gonna work with me now." <laughs> like, okay <laughs> great. So I worked with him, um, which was awesome and I got to make like puff pastry. Uh, Victor actually really wanted to make bonbon chocolate you know little chocolates for at the end of the meal. So there was a good like two months where I just went in and I just made chocolates every day all day. The pastry chef also, he was just a really good cook in general. And he had worked there the longest. So he would always make staff meal, which was great because not only did I get to learn pastry stuff, but he like taught me savory stuff too mm-hmm. and you know, the good like Basque paella style stuff and you know, the real tortilla which everyone loves when they come in on for brunch on Sunday here. Mm-hmm.
0: So so you took a break from Bar Agricole to go to Spain for six months and yeah. you had this adventure of making chocolates and pastries and yeah. all the Spanish cuisine. So what happened at the very end of that?
1: Um, so at the very end, honestly, my dad actually got really, really sick while I was in Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were, we were talking back and forth online and then it just got really, really bad. Um, so unfortunately I got a call that was like, your dad has a week to live. So I kind of had to like book it back home here, San Diego and you know hang out with him for his last few days but you know.
0: Yeah that must have been hard. Yeah that's that Can't even imagine <laughs> Yeah so I imagine you stayed in San Diego for a little while.
1: Yeah I stayed there for like three months mm-hmm. and then I decided I think I'm gonna go back up to San Francisco I need to start doing something again. <laughs> <laughs> My usual like I'm burning out I'm taking a few months off And I'm bored. Now I'm going to go burn myself out again. Yeah. So, yeah, so I came back up here, and, of course, it was like, well, I have a job at Bar Agricole, so I went back there, and Brandon wasn't there anymore. It was a different chef, but she was so cool. She's my friend from before. I had already worked with her. I was working there, and then um, this was right when they were going to open True Normand. So I talked to Sal, and I thought, all right, well, I – I like the people at Bar Agricole, but you know, I wanna change the scenery. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna go work with him. And then they ended up letting go of the chef that was there, bringing on another chef at Bar Agricole, And she was kind of like, hey, I want you to keep working here. (laughs) So, you know, Thad talked to me and I was like, all right, all right, I'll stay, I'll stay. So I was gonna stay on as her sous chef probably like a month after that whole thing went down. Brett Cooper from Outer Lands now Aster, he texted me and was like, hey, I don't know what your allegiance is for Cole, but I have a cool opportunity for you if you want to talk. So I met up with him and he told me about this project. And I thought, well, if I don't do it, then I'm going to be really bummed out at myself. So I think I should do it. <laughs> this is the
0: opportunity to be chef at Huxley.
1: Yeah, you know, originally it was to be his sous chef and then, like, transition into being the chef. And I thought, okay, you know, like, I'm a little bit nervous about that because I don't think Brett knows the type of food that I like to do. And is he going to think that I'm good enough or whatever? And then I just thought, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, what's the worst they could do? Fire me? That's, I mean... Doesn't That's kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it took so long to get open here, and uh, he thought that his project was going to be open a little bit sooner than it actually was. So he was actually done with his contract here at the end of August, and we didn't open until October. So, you know, honestly, in our original menu that we kind of brainstormed on took place in like April, and because the food that I do is so seasonal, there's just no way that the menu could have been the same. So. Mm-hmm. I just kind of i don't know i just took ownership of everything and just did it and thought you you know chris the owner hadn't even honestly eaten my food you know and like every pretty much every day i just kept texting chris like are we opening tonight or not you know because i didn't know you know how much construction work was still going to be done and yeah you know, there was little things that needed to be done, but we were just going to open when it was, like, possible to open, even if little things still needed to get done. Mm-hmm. So, it was a little bit hectic, but we made it happen, and fortunately for everyone, you know, Chris liked my food, and <laughs> everyone seems to be liking it okay, so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's been... Pretty much a hit, I think, like just from seeing how people have been reacting to it on yeah.
1: social media. I mean, honestly, I always get so scared that people are going to think that I like try too hard because that's like my, I don't know, that's just a really big fear. That's why I guess I like doing really simple food and just mm-hmm. like classic combinations because... There's so many times when I go out and I'm like, this dish would have been so good without like two things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like people just are trying so hard, you know, to like be creative and push the limits or whatever. And honestly, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make good food. What's been the most challenging thing about having come into this role? Um, Honestly, for me, it's been staffing. I don't really have a lot of staff, which looking back on it is kind of good because I was able to get a chance to like figure out my style of food and get my menu to where I wanted it to be without any outside influences just have it be my stuff and to get organized and figure out what I need to do without having anyone kind of like there to judge me or there to you know put their two cents in when I don't need it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's been nice to kind of get a grasp on everything by myself but in the same breath it's also like I work a lot and I you know have worked a lot and it's only just now that I'm finally able to kind of schedule some time off for myself but even me scheduling time off for myself is me like Asking one of my friends who works at True Normand to come and work here, mm-hmm. you know, on a Tuesday so that I can have two days off. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we can get someone else in here, just part time. That's the thing, too. it's We're so small that I don't need a lot of staff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if one person gets sick, if my one employee gets sick, then I'm working by myself. Right. <laughs> Which is fine. But when we do 60 people... It gets a little hectic.
0: (laughs) So this is definitely not one of those restaurants where people come in and don't see the chef working.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely not. (laughs) I mean, I take the trash out, like, (laughs) four days a week. So I don't know. I'm not one of those chefs who just stands and expedites. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because I understand why that needs to happen. And, yeah, it's great to be able to look at all the food. And that's something else, you know, like, it's hard for me if I'm busy on my station And I'm trying to, you know, teach my employee, like, hey, you know, here's a new dish. And I have to constantly be, like, running over and making sure that he's doing it right. And Mm -hmm. he's really young. So, uh, you know, I have to make sure that everything's seasoned properly and make sure he's, like, doing the things that I know are right. But he doesn't necessarily know that they're right quite yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gets a little bit difficult. But, again, if I had someone working full time here and I was just standing here, I I would... Go nuts. Why did you guys choose the Tenderloin? Chris, you know, and his business partners, they liked the fact that it was really small and they wanted it to be, again, like a neighborhood spot. They f- saw that this neighborhood was going to be up and coming. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: mm-hmm. how do you think Huxley fits in and why do you think it does?
1: Well, sometimes it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, I would say, but <laughs> I think we're really trying to fit in. I try to make sure the menu has items, approachable food that mm-hmm. people who aren't necessarily going out to eat all the time can mm-hmm. come in and be like, oh, hey, that was actually really good. And I understood what was on the menu, but it was still something that I consider, you know, elevated from what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that we're trying to do lots of community stuff, too. Now that I have a little bit more time, I'm trying to do more events. And I think we're just trying to do events that really um, highlight this neighborhood. What's been the most rewarding thing about having done what you've done and becoming the chef at Huxley? Well, one, I'm able to pay off some massive bills that I've accumulated through <laughs> my six months of unemployment. Um, <laughs> And to, uh, it's just nice to know that uh, when I do go somewhere else, I'll have these things that aren't. And it's not just attached to the restaurant. There's things that like are accomplishments that I achieved that the eater young guns or whatever. You know, like that's something that I just won. That's just for me, and it's not just attached to the restaurant. So I can carry that with me to wherever I go. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully it means something to f- you know future employers or investors or whoever. Well, what's what's next? honestly i really don't see myself working in san francisco at another restaurant i think this will probably be my last little project here and then i really want to move elsewhere somewhere a little bit more suburban i really want my little animal family Uh (laughs) i want to have pets no my boyfriend and i we really love portland oregon so we're kind of looking at that we've been to colorado a couple times we really like colorado too Mm -hmm. so I think we both just uh, want some place a little bit slower paced and some place where we can um, have our animal family, we can have the possibility of actually investing in a restaurant and being able to make money because, you know, to me it's just crazy to open a restaurant in San Francisco. I feel like you wouldn't make any money <laughs> the labor, between the labor and the rent, it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to pull in like five million dollars just to get everything paid off in the first year. (laughs) Yeah, so that's it. Just I honestly I don't I don't want anything big I just I want to have animals I don't want children, <laughs> no, I just want animals and you know, to have my own little breakfast spot or something like that. Something easy, something simple. <laughs> something
0: tells me that that will make you bored, so I think <laughs> we can expect something a little bit bigger from you
1: in the future. Maybe, maybe two breakfast spots. <laughs> well, thanks for
0: talking to us. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. So next time you're in the Tenderloin, stop by this tiny gem for a fresh meal. Check out their Sunday brunch where Chef Sarah is bringing some of her Spanish training to life. And of course, don't forget to order their now famous avocado toast. In the next episode of Menu Stories, we meet the husband and wife team behind a well-loved local catering company and food cart, Satisfied. The Satisfied team feeds many local companies but also just participated in their fifth consecutive outside lands where they served food to hungry music festival goers just off the main stage. Tune in to hear the full story. Subscribe to Menu Stories on Menu Stories so you can get the next episode delivered to your inbox you can listen on our website itunes and soundcloud and be sure to find us on twitter instagram and facebook until next time happy eating